You're listening to Kitchen Table Finance. Join Dave Shotwell and Nick Nauta as they cut through the complexity of financial planning and serve bites of investment advice that are both personal and practical. How are you doing today, Nick? Doing great, Dave. How are you? I'm doing fine. Ready to uh, record another episode of our podcast. Yes, I am. Let's do this. So our topic for today, and this is a good one for uh, early in the year, is understanding required minimum distributions. Yeah, that's right. Or the uh, the infamous RMD. Yes, RMD, as we tend to jingoize everything in this business, don't we? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so required minimum distributions. And, and what they are in general is when you get into your 70s, the IRS requires you to start taking money from your traditional investment, individual retirement accounts. Yep. So your 403Bs, 401Ks, or IRAs, um, and there's some different rules through for each of those that we'll kind of go through. But kind of the principle behind it too, Dave, is you know that basically you haven't paid taxes on any of this money. And so right. the IRS says, hey, we need to get some tax revenue in here at some point. So you've reached a certain age and now you got to start taking it out so that you have to pay taxes on this distribution so that we can start collecting some of that revenue that you put off when you were younger and worked. Yeah. Yeah. And like everything that involves the government, it's way more complicated than it needs to be. Absolutely. (laughs) So (laughs) what we're going to try to do today is demystify it a little bit. And, um, So we'll kind of start with the ages around which when you have to start taking required minimum distributions, um, which changed just last year. And it's another one of those things where I spent 20 years of my career learning the rules just so they could go and change them on me. But exactly. uh, We'll adapt. That's right. (laughs) So it was always 70 and a half. Once you reach the age 70 and a half, you had to start taking required minimum distributions. And then in 2018, the law changed and they moved it out to age 72. Yeah. So part of the CARES Act was that change where it uh, delayed it for a couple more years. And, um, you know, thankfully, we actually got a nice round number, not a half year. So that's <laughs> kind of helpful, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But then, of course, because they moved it out two years, there's that little vague gray area. Like, what if I turned 70 and a half in the middle there? And and so the way the, the way the IRS set up the rules is if you were born before July 1st, 1949, you need to start by age 70 and a half. And of course, you'd, you'd, you'd already be 71 if you were born in 1949. And if you were born after June 30th, 1949, you can wait till you're 72. Exactly. So not quite too easy, especially if you fall into those brackets. Um, But that's the way it's written right now. So 70 and a half for a small select few lucky people and then 72 for everyone else. Unlucky people, actually, for... for The way most of them see it. I yes. I was talking to a client just the other day because it's January here and we're calculating out what required minimums are going to be for this year. And she turned, well, she was born on June 24th, 1949. So she falls into the old rules, has to take a minimum this year, whether she wants to or not. Yeah. Six days, huh? That's rough. Yeah, six days. <laughs> yep. Yep. So that'll all be simpler too here in a couple of years. It'll just be everybody who's 72 will 
will need to start. Another point of confusion around required minimum distributions has to do with when you take them and when, when they have to be done by. And it's confusing because there's, a, there's one rule for your first year and going forward then there's a different set of rules. And then that first year, they give you a grace period where you can actually wait until up till April 1st of the following year. Right. Yep. Not to be confused with your tax deadline, which is typically April 15th, uh, April 1st. But then every year after that, you have to take your required minimum distribution by December 31st of that year. Right. So that first year you do have that four month grace period, but then, but then after that, you're, you're, You've got to have it done by December 31st of that year. Right. And in grace period in some respects, but in, in other aspects of it, if you do delay until April 1st or January, February or March, for that matter, you have to take two distributions in that year. So that kind of compounds issues as well. Right. If you if you wait till April 1st, you're going to have to take the previous year your first year's distribution plus that current year's distribution needs to be done by December 31st. So if you're trying to mitigate how much money you take during a given year, you end up double doubling up your income in that year. Yeah. So definitely some planning and some thought that has to go behind whether or not you really want to delay into the following year. I would say the majority of people, that's not a good idea. Uh, but there are some cases where we're trying to push off income and once we start taking RMDs, we can't help it. So sometimes that does work out in your favor. For instance, if you were still working in that year and had earned income the year you turned 72, you might want to wait till April of the following year to take that year's because maybe your overall income is lower, even though you're doubling up your, your required right. minimums. Right. Next uh, point of confusion is how required minimums are actually calculated. And when I've talked to people who are not there yet, who are younger than that, they have it in their head that the required minimum is going to be this huge number that, that there's just no way they, they can wrap their heads around taking it. Sure. It's usually not as bad as people expect. At least that's been my experience. Yeah. And as far as calculations go, it's probably one of the easier ones um, <laughs> that the IRS throws out there that, that yeah. you could do. So, so the way that the way that a required minimum is calculated, you take your December 31st account value for the preceding year, and then you need to pull out a table from the IRS. And for most retirees, the table to use is called the uniform life table. And you can find it online and we'll have links to this stuff on the article that goes with this. But on that table, then you look up your age and there'll be a factor, a distribution factor that you then take that December 31st account value and divide it by that amount, by that factor on the table. And that will tell you what your distribution is. There are other tables for certain situations. Most retirees are going to use that uniform life table. But if you are a retiree whose spouse is your sole beneficiary and your spouse is 10 years younger than you are, you can use a table called the Joint Life and Last Survivor Table. Kind of a, actually a benefit there of having a younger spouse as your sole beneficiary because that table, the factors are a little bit lower in terms of your actual RMD if you right. have a younger spouse. So that's kind of right. somewhat beneficial. Yeah, with, and the, the logic behind that is that what the IRS is really trying to allow you to do is spread these distributions over your lifetime. And if you're a married couple with a big age discrepancy, they need to account for that to make it last longer. 
So the right. required minimums are smaller. That's in a nutshell. There's also a different table if you are the beneficiary of an IRA that wasn't your spouse's. If you're a non-spouse beneficiary of an IRA, that sounds a little more succinct, then you would use a table called the single life expectancy table. Also a different, different set of rules around that to, ex- right. again, expand it out over your lifetime if you're the right. spouse beneficiary. Right. And, and those rules all change too. And that's, that's a whole nother uh, podcast to talk about inherited IRAs. But when we talk about that life, that life expectancy table being used for um, inherited IRAs, we're talking about IRAs that were inherited before 2019. Right. Yep. So the, the rules changed along with that as well. And, and one point I'd like to make here too, Dave, is a lot of times people assume that, you know, you're taking a required minimum distribution, which is essentially you're taking money out of your IRA or 401k. And mm-hmm. the assumption is that the reason it's stretched out over your lifetime by this percentage is so that you only have to take out a certain amount each year, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to spend it. And I think, I think a lot of times because of the way it's set up, people assume that, okay, I have to take this out. That means I have to spend it. And that's not necessary. You know, that's not the case. All you have to do is pay the taxes. So I know there's some confusion around that. I just wanted to kind of clear that up a little bit. You don't have to spend it. You can put it in a different (laughs) account. You just have to pay the taxes. on. Yeah, we do have, we do have clients who will take their required minimum distribution out of their IRA we withhold the taxes and then we turn around and invest that money in a different account. The big right. thing is that, that those taxes get paid. So I put together an example calculation because I think it will, will maybe help people understand this a little bit. So in my example, if you're 72 years old and your, 100, your IRA balance on December 31st of last year was $100,000 and your spouse is, we'll just say for simplicity's sake, is the same age as you are. Mm-hmm. Then on that IRS table, the distribution period factor would be 25.6. And so your required minimum distribution would be $100,000 divided by 25.6, which gives you a required minimum distribution of $3,906.25. Yeah. So not, you know, not a huge amount, you know, in that, you know, shade under 4%. percent Yep. Yep. But, it, you know, it, it's so, it's, it's like I said, not a huge amount, but something to give you an idea of what that looks like. And, and then I think the other thing to be said, you know, you're starting at around that 4% range, but you're also going up every year. So by the time you reach, you know, mid 80s, it's around the 6, 7% range, somewhere in that area. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. If you're if you're lucky enough to live to, to 120, which is what that table goes out to, I think it's like a third or half just under 40 percent of your distribution of your total amount so you'll never actually run out of required minimum distributions because it's kind of based on a percentage the way that it's set up but that percentage will get larger every year some things to consider when we talk about uh, required minimums we've already mentioned this one but you know it's best to generally best to take that first year's required minimum distribution in that first year rather than waiting until the following april even though you're allowed to but you know again that's a planning consideration to talk about yeah great great rule of thumb but definitely something that you want to actually run some numbers yeah. and the taxes before you make that decision yeah and and then the next thing to keep in mind you know we i we we went through the tables and we went through that example to give you an idea of how it's done but 
we would never ask anybody to go out and figure out the required minimum distribution. And even if you're a do-it-yourself investor at Vanguard or Schwab or somewhere, they're going to put that on your statement. They will calculate it in January and figure out what it is for you. Yeah, they're required as custodians to provide right. you with that amount. Right. So don't feel like you have to do it on your own. <laughs> right, right. I'd like to like to say everybody needs us to figure it out for them, but uh, it's not not true. The other thing too is they will usually start bugging you in the fall if you haven't taken your required minimum distribution during the year. Uh, most custodians will send out a letter saying, hey, you know, it's August and you still have to take X from your IRA this year. Please contact us. Something to that effect. Yeah. And, and just kind of uh, as a, a best practice, what we do with a lot of clients or, or what we recommend that makes sense is you can always set it up to come out in like December automatically so that you know it's going to come out. But if you need it earlier mm-hmm. than that, you can change it. So at least if something happens in December, you get busy, you get sick, you know, you're out of the country, who knows? Um, you know it's going to come out, so you're not going to have to pay that 50% penalty because that is the largest penalty that the IRS levies is this failure to take out a certain amount of money from your IRA. Yep, that was my uh, my next uh, point to talk about is the, uh, the penalty is pretty steep. It's 50% of whatever you didn't take. So you want to make sure you get it done. Yeah, absolutely. And, and if you, you know, if you're sitting here at 74 and you haven't done it, what I would tell you from experience is, Report yourself to the IRS because they're usually much more yep. forgiving of these things if you self-report yep. than if you just try to forget it because eventually they'll find it. Yeah, yeah. What you it, there is a mechanism to correct it if it if it especially if it was an administrative oversight and that happens. You know, a form yeah. doesn't get processed, something goes wrong. I've seen it a couple times and never had a client actually have to pay the penalty, but right. usually it requires yeah a, a letter of letter of acknowledgement to the IRS saying, hey, this happened. Here's here's what we're doing to remedy it, which usually is taking the distribution right away and withholding the taxes. And um, that usually takes care of it. But yeah. you don't want to have to do that. So right. absolutely. It's funny, people get hung up on the number of the from the required minimum distribution, but that's it's it's just that it's a minimum. Mm-hmm. And we want to we generally want to advise people to take the least amount possible from an IRA during a year, but you've got to take what you need to live on. So, so the the required minimum is just to make sure you, you hit those thresholds that the IRS is getting the taxes that they, that they expect. And of of course it is taxable as income. So you're going to get a 1099 R in February of the following year that shows what your gross distributions were for the year to make sure that uh, you did as directed and custodians can always withhold taxes to from the distribution for for most of our clients will will talk to them about where they're likely to fall for their marginal tax rate for the year or we'll collaborate with their tax advisor and what we process the required minimum distribution just like a paycheck you know a certain amount will get withheld and sent straight to the straight to tax withholding and then that is reported on that 1099r so when you file your taxes for that year it's get gets squared up yeah, absolutely. And and another thing to bring up here too, Dave, is just the, you know, the planning that goes behind some of this. And and you know, this is probably a whole nother podcast, but something to think about if you're sitting there with a pretty sizable IRA and you've got 10 years until you hit 72 or 15 years, there's some things that you're going to want to think about if you're not planning on taking distributions because just because mm-hmm. you're not taking distributions now, knowing that you have to take them 
and trying to project what that amount will be and trying to figure out if that's going to affect you from a tax standpoint is pretty important because you can do things early on, but the longer you wait, the harder it is to make changes right. or to make any significant changes that will affect your required minimum distribution at 72. So something to yes. definitely think about and talk with your yeah. advisor about making sure you're aware of what that's going to look like. It's easy to fall into the trap of whatever, of trying to minimize your taxes in the particular year you're in. But when you step back and take a big picture strategic view, what you really want to do is pay the least amount of taxes over your lifetime, not just right. in any given year. And so, right, if you, and what, what Nick's getting at there is if you, if you just delay until you have to take required minimums, sometimes those required minimums have grown so large that they create a tax problem on their own. That if you had started taking some money out or doing Roth conversions or doing different things in your 60s, you may have been better off overall. So, yeah, and it's very inflexible too, right? Once you get to that 72, you know, there's nothing. I mean, at that point, you have to take it out. So, you really run out of options if you wait until that point. So, not to say that every, you know, doing something earlier is right for everyone, but it's certainly Mm -hmm. better to look at it earlier than it is to wait until it's too late. As, as with most things, that's why they yeah, call planning, right? right? Exactly. So, that's why Dave and so, I have jobs. <laughs> yep, yep, job security. Amen. Another question that comes up pretty often is, how do I have to take it, right? Mm-hmm. And the IRS doesn't care. As long as that 1099 that you get for that year shows that you took out at least the required minimum, we have folks who take it monthly. We have mm-hmm. folks who take it as a lump sum once a year. I've got uh, snowbirds who like to take it in May when they get to their place for the summer and take it again, take the rest of it in November, or, you know, they'll split it up into a couple pieces. I've got folks who take a set amount every month. And then once a year, we take out extra to make sure they've hit the minimum. There's no, there's no perfect formula for that. It's whatever works for you for cash flow. Yeah. So it's definitely, you know, um, your comfort level and how you're going to utilize those funds and what makes the most sense to you. You know, the important thing is making sure you get the right amount out by the deadline, uh, but how you get it out doesn't necessarily matter as much. Now, one other consideration on that too, is if you have multiple IRAs, you don't have to take it from each of them. You right. can figure out what that amount is from each IRA, and then you can take that all out of one IRA. Yeah. Um, so that's something yeah. else from a planning perspective. If you have multiple IRAs, if you have different investments yeah. in them, um, you know, you can kind of play that game of what makes the most sense. Sometimes there'll be uh, assets in one IRA that it makes more sense to utilize in a particular year than, than a different one. And so we might add those together and take the entire required minimum from, from one or the other. Along those lines, though, you, so at the beginning, you mentioned, you know, that these rules apply to 401ks and 403bs as well. You can aggregate all of your IRAs as one group and take the required minimum from one, but you can't mix 401ks and IRAs. And, and so right. it can be a little, little bit more complicated. Yeah. And along those lines, you know, we talked about 401ks, 403bs, but if you have an active 401k and you're still working, you do not have to take a required minimum distribution from that. So be aware of that as well if you're working later on. Yeah, you can you can be 75 and covered by your company's 401k plan and not have to take a required minimum distribution unless you're a 5% owner or more of the company. Kind of a kind of a gotcha there that uh 
If, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Always something in the back. Yeah, always something, always <laughs> something. But uh, yeah, you know, it's it's this is one of those topics that comes up very often in uh, financial planning and with uh, pre-retirees that are wondering how this works. So I hope this took some of the mystery out of it. Yeah, definitely, you know, a good recap on kind of the basics and, and the main points that we talked about. Make sure you know, you know, how much to take out and make sure you take it out in time because the penalties are steep and, you know, rely on your custodian to calculate that for you. It's not something you have to mm-hmm. do on your own and then think about, you know, well before you hit 72, if you're going to have problems, you want to start kind of thinking about those things and making plans sooner rather than later if you can. Sounds good. So we'll, uh, We'll also have those tables in uh, the, uh, the example on our website on the article that goes with this podcast, if you're interested. Absolutely. And as always, if you All have right. questions or if you um, want to talk over planning for RMDs, feel free to reach out. Let's call. All right. Well, thank you, Nick. Always a pleasure, Dave. Gather round and follow the Kitchen Table Finance Podcast to learn about money and simple ways you can invest right now. You can find more practical advice at srbadvisors.com and contact the team for personal planning by emailing info at srbadvisors.com.